Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this first ever episode of Turbulence. I am your host, Jack White, alongside my partner in crime and co-host, George Shalloway. We got a lot on the docket today, folks, to talk about with you. But we're going to start out with a recap of last week's Maryland football game and their tough, tough loss up in Evelston, Illinois, against the Northwestern Wildcats, 42 to three. But before we dive into that, I want to let you all know a daily segment we're going to have here on the show, Terrapin Trivia. And this week, George, I'm going to ask you and you're going to think about it throughout the, uh, throughout the episode. How's that sound? Sounds fantastic. Let's, let's hear this question. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. So who, in honor of tomorrow's homecoming game, what quarterback for the University, University of Maryland Terrapins leads in passing yards all time against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So take some time to think about that one, and we will give you all the answer at the end of the show. So, George, let's dive in here a little bit about last week. I know you and I were in contact many of times as the game was progressing while watching it socially distanced, obviously, at our own homes. Started out well. The first drive, I liked what I saw. It, Tullius seemed very calm and poised as a young man in the pocket back there. The O-line looked good. Everything was well-balanced. Went up 3 nothing. Weren't able to capitalize with a touchdown. But then, George, I mean, kind of run it down for us. It just went south from there. I agree. The first drive, I was really excited and hopeful that that was going to be one of many scoring drives that night. Unfortunately, as we all know by the score of only getting three points the whole game, that was the only – time that Maryland was able to put points on the board, but there was a lot of hope and promise in that drive. Talia looked confident. He was able to run the RPO-style offense that Coach Locks likes to run. Uh, It was a pretty balanced attack with run and pass, which they started to go away from as the game evolved, obviously being down as much as they were. They had to throw the ball to try to do something, but Jake Funk looked pretty healthy to come back from yet another ACL tear when he was getting some carries. And it was nice to see Jay Sean Jones back also from an ACL tear um, from two years ago or last year that he missed the season from. And it was good to see that, that the offense looked good. Then obviously the defense, that's a different story. It was, there was tough to get some stops, but um, I think that, that there's really a potential with this offense. It's a young group, as we know, Coach Locks kept on saying, you know, 56, 57 new players. This their first time donning the Maryland jersey for the first time with those nice Maryland flag helmets for game day. And it was a lot for them. Yes, it was a, a rude awakening, but let's, let's be realistic. We didn't have Towson this year to play. We didn't have Northern Illinois to play. We didn't have West Virginia to play before we got into the Big Ten opener. So for the first time in the Big Ten, there's no excuse – these are all Division One Big Ten athletes. They should have made it a more competitive game. But I think that we saw some more mental errors than um, missed assignments, which is something that, that can be corrected. And as long as Locks can, can get that worked on and have you know, Leah make some better reads and not panic as much as he, he did in that game, I, I think there's a lot of potential you know, this week against – Minnesota and uh, upcoming this season. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, and I mean, George, you bring up the great point. This is a team that has 56 new players wearing the black, gold, white, and red. 
is, this is not the same team we saw in the past and it's going to be challenging and fans are going to have to be accepting of mistakes. They're going to happen. And these boys are going to have to grow from them. Locks even said when the big 10 came out and announced to every, every team, the season is going to happen. He came out and said, we kind of don't have any, you know, weak opponents to start out for any other, you know, respective schools up in the mountain West, you know, completely respect all those universities and their football programs. But there's, there are really no automatic wins. And, George, I know as an alum, you've seen your share fair of victories early in the season, but Maryland doesn't have a lot of those kind of, you know, you know gimme games this year. There's tough agree, opponents man. up and down the schedule in Penn State, Ohio State. You know, Michigan State suffered a tough loss. Rutgers even had an upset this week. Who knows what we're going to get out of them this season. And, you know, George, you mentioned in the Northwestern game, you were addressing the – how the offense looked relatively okay and the defense definitely looked weak. However, I do want to point out though, Maryland's offense had a total 64 yards in the air, 143. And when you look at total offense, Maryland had 207. Northwestern had 537 averaging six and a half yards per play. And George, I mean, just where does that come from? Does that stem from Mike Loxley's only second year, the coaching, new players? Where does it stem from? Well, that's a great question. And honestly, there's no excuse for it. And that's kind of why Lox is, has a top 20 recruiting class for the class of 2021, where his top four highest signees are all coming from the defensive line. Because it starts with the battle of the trenches, especially in the Big Ten. You know, you have these big, you know, these big blocks that that have grown and developed and not taking anything against from Northwestern, but Maryland this week against Minnesota are facing an even bigger, stronger line. They're bringing back three of five starters and they had some pretty good production last year and they had their quarterback Tanner Morgan back again. So I'm just saying it's not easy for this defense. And that's why Locks has gone out to bring in these uh, junior college players that are starting on the offensive line um, he just needs to get depth. He made it a big focus in the offseason of improving the size. I mean, Maryland for years was undersized on both the offensive and defensive sides of the line. Now every starter on the offensive line is over 300 pounds, which they never used to have. The defensive line is weaker um, than we would like, obviously by giving up you know, almost seven yards a play. That's unacceptable in, in a Big Ten game to be competitive. And that's the number one goal is to be competitive. Obviously, we like wins. But if we lose a heartbreaker like we did a couple of years ago to Ohio State, can't be upset when we go for two and lose that one. But at least give yourself a chance to make that into an overtime game. When you, when you lose by, you know, almost 40 points, it's just – it's not close. So I think that there needs to be a sense of urgency from the defense. I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't playing hard and playing physical and, and everything like that, which they were. Um, but they got to do something, whether that's put more people in the box. I know Minnesota loves to run the ball. Maybe that's instead of running a nickel formation, bringing an extra linebacker. And I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'm not the one making the millions of dollars to be the coach. John Hoke, our defensive coordinator has got to, got to figure something out. And I'm sure he's been putting in all the time and effort to do that. Um, but you know, Maryland's had success uh, uh, over the last couple of years against Minnesota. I mean, we've beaten them, Two out of the last uh, three meetings, we, in 2017, we beat them. 
when Max Bordenschlager was the quarterback for the first time up there up in uh, Minnesota. Then in 2018, we beat him handedly. Uh, and then obviously last year, different story. But we've had Minnesota's number over the last couple of years. So I really think that some of these players remember when we did beat Minnesota. And Minnesota didn't look great against Michigan. Not saying that the Maryland uh, football team is like Coach Harbaugh's team. But I think that if we play smart and aggressive and how Maryland football can play, it should be a close one. And, you know, you're absolutely right, George. And, you know, to transition back to, you know, Northwestern earlier this week, um, you know, it's been 329 days without a game prior to playing Northwestern. And you're bound to have some mistakes and some mess ups. And you're going to look a little, little rusty coming out of the gate, especially against a tough opponent and an opponent that Maryland has only ever played once previous to last Saturday night in which they suffered a 37 to 21 loss in 2018. Now, earlier in the week though, Jake Funk, you know, he was quoted as saying, you know, we talked about discipline. You know, that's something that we build on every single scrimmage, not hurting ourselves, whether that's in a pre-snap penalties or just what we call margin of error, which are like sacks, drops, interceptions, fumbles, and just playing clean football. So, George, in a way, you know, we didn't see any of that last Saturday night. And I think that's what tomorrow night's game boils down to is playing clean football because we know there are going to be mistakes, but we know the only way for this young group to succeed is to fail. And some fans might say that this is the ideal season to do that, you know, with it being COVID, not really, it's not very natural and you know, things just don't feel, you know, feel right. No fans, not the same kind of atmosphere that it should be, especially in a power five conference like the big 10. However, the bottom line is you play to win the game. You're out there to win and you got to have a winning mentality. And, you know, that's why coach Loxley's the right man for the job. He's going to make sure every player on that team who runs out onto that field is in the best position for success and he's going to make sure the right players on that team. And George, I think that's why this week we haven't really heard any controversy about a change in quarterback. Would you do anything at that position right now, only in week two? Here's what I got to say about that. Leah is our starting quarterback. He won that job over the camp um, back in the abbreviated form that it was. And Lance may very well get his shot. I'm not saying that I want the Maryland quarterback injury bug to happen again, but if you look at history, Maryland has a bad track record with keeping its quarterbacks history or keeping their quarterbacks healthy. Sorry. So there's a very good chance, unfortunately, that Lance might get the nod. Oh, I mean, we've seen position players come out and play quarterback for the Terps. Yes, we have. Uh, I mean, we used to have a scout team linebacker throwing passes to Stephon Diggs back in, in the back old days when we were still, you know, in the ACC <laughs> and early days of the Big Ten. So it's been known to happen. I don't want it to happen. I want Leah to learn from that. Uh, Locke said he got in early on Sunday after the team arrived at the wee hours of the morning, came back, watched film, is going to grow and learn from this. And I think that's important. It was his first collegiate start. We have to remember this. As much as we wanted to be like Tua um, and, you know, uh, have a Heisman hopeful season and take us to the promised land. Realistically, it's not going to happen this season. Now, do I think that uh, Leah will improve? Of course. I think he will learn from this. I think that he will 
become smarter from this. But I think it's a little bit early to jump ship. Now, I, I am a very big fan of Lance Legend. I wanted him to play more last year when Josh Jackson was having a poor season. And Piggy wasn't playing great. But he only played in the four games to secure his redshirt. He's a redshirt freshman. Leah's a true sophomore, which does make a difference on eligibility. I don't know if that went into a factor. I don't believe it did. But we have to keep that in mind. I think that it's a good thing to have that we have two four-star quarterbacks that are learning and working with each other in the quarterback room, something that hasn't happened in a long time in Maryland's history. The last four-star quarterback before Lance we had was Kasim Hill. And that's a name that a lot of people don't even remember because, yes, he played great against Texas back in 2017, winning on the road down there, but he also got hurt. The following year, he tore his ACL again. He transferred to Tennessee and now transferred out, and I don't even believe he's in football right now. So having one quarterback is good. It's a four-star, but it doesn't hurt having two. So I don't think that um, Leah's starting job is in jeopardy. Locke has gone on record saying it's not. But we do need and we expect better from him. And I know that Leah expects the same out of him. He wasn't happy with the way he performed. He knows that he made some some errors, and, and he'll learn from that. And I'm just, sure I, Coach is, you know, he's definitely – he's thrilled to have two young studs in his back pocket um, to be able to use any time that he can and needs to use them. And definitely, you know, before transitioning here, definitely want to tip our caps to the Northwestern Wildcats who are one to know and one to know in the big 10 and head coach Pat Fitzgerald just picked up his a hundredth career win entering his 15th season, the 2018 big 10 coach of the year. So now as we kind of transition, you know, the Minnesota golden Gophers, the next opponent for your Maryland Terrapins coming off of a rough, and I mean rough, 49-24 to 24 loss against the Michigan Wolverines at home. Not a very efficient performance by the Gophers being out-dueled 481-326 to 326 in total yards and couldn't really get anything going through the air. But I think the story of the game is through the ground where they allowed 256 rushing yards and really just could not shut out the Wolverines in every quarter where they put up at least a touchdown in each of the four quarters. Now, George, you know, we were talking about there's, there's not a lot to pick out. It's hard at least to pick out positive things when you only score three points as a team and give up 42. It's not exactly the, you know, the easiest thing to pick out the positives, but Michigan, not exactly known for their offense more known as a defensive team, especially in the mind and eyes of Jim Harbaugh running the ship over there up in Ann, Ar up in Ann Arbor. What does Loxley need to implement? How creative does he need to get to use the young talent he has in order to beat a Minnesota team that, quite frankly, kind of still looks like they're in preseason mode? I think that Maryland also kind of looks like we're in preseason mode. Everyone in the Big Ten, except for maybe Ohio State, looked like that. See, that's another week. great point to mention too, George. You know, how do you how do you how do you brush off the the cobwebs if you're Maryland? You you know what you get your face, and they're having time to watch film, and they're going to come and prepare tomorrow night on the big stage, homecoming game, big night in College Park. No fans, of course, but what do you got to do to win the game? Well, that's true. Happy homecoming. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show, um, but here's what they got to do. They have to realize that two of their last three meetings, they've beaten Minnesota. They beat them up in Minnesota in 2017, and they beat them again home in 2018. 
But we can't so last, forget. We can't forget. Let the fans know out there. Last year was an absolute. I have to say, embarrassing loss, losing fifty-two to ten against the Golden Gophers. However, they were a nine and one top ten team last year. They, okay. they were they were riding a lot of highs. They had a lot of upset wins, beating Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all in one year. So it definitely was a heck of a year for the Gophers. But, you know, Maryland is, some would like to say, on the up and up, trending upwards, rebuilding the team. And it's not as easy as it is in the NFL and college. Players are always coming in and coming out of the system. So, George, back to the primary question. What is the one need of focus that Maryland is going to have to use to their advantage this weekend to shut the Gophers down? Well, it's simple. Both teams are coming off a loss. It's how do both teams react and learn from their loss. If Maryland is able to limit their turnovers that they had from last game with the three interceptions and the muffed uh, kickoff, that's four times that Northwestern got the ball that Maryland had to get the defense back out there. If Maryland can limit the turnovers, learn from their mistakes, and play a smarter game, they can, they can definitely cover, if not win this game. Uh, it's not out of the question. I mean, I remember in 2018, I was at that game when Maryland won 42-13 against Minnesota. We've done it in the past. There's no reason why we can't do it again. I mean, that was a fun game, I'll tell you. There was energy in the crowd. Uh, It was a Big Ten win. I had a ride-along that night with UMPD for class. (laughs) It was fun. I mean, we got to see some students that were enjoying the win, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, mean, you might need need to teach me a little bit about what energy is in a football stadium again, because I have not seen that, and God only knows how long. I can tell you the last time we saw the energy in a stadium. The last time we had a Friday night game on ESPN. When we played Penn State last year, sold out crowd. Now, again, Maryland has to learn from that game too last year against Penn State. You can't come out too excited and play stupid. I'm going to have to admit, dumb I, errors. Like, you, you make a great point there coming out too amped, too excited, you know, in the moment, get, getting wrapped up in the situation. We, I mean, we all know what the final score of that game was. It was, it was rough, rough, rough night in College Park. But, I mean, they're hyping it up. I mean, George, you know, you and I were talking. You know, I was out in Ohio, an undergrad at Denison, and you were in College Park. I mean, you're texting me, classes are canceled. Things are, you know, things are crazy. Everyone's having so much fun, and, you know, it's a big day, you know. And, you know, now that we're sitting here a year later, basically, kind of reflecting on it, I mean, isn't that a little much? Canceling class? No, I disagree with you on that one. It's not too much. I mean – Yes. Did some that people affect might... the players? Did that affect the players, though? Uh, I, don't, I don't think canceling class affected the players. I think that Mar- if you look at what happened last year, Maryland clobber knockers Howard 79 to nothing. Yes. The next week, they come out against a ranked Syracuse team, beat them in the shell. We're 2-0. and We smacked them, too. Punched yes. them right in the mouth. It was fantastic. No, I mean, Maryland has a history of coming out and letting teams know that, you know, they're going to be in the fight. But what is it, George? Every year it's a game or two below 500 or 500. I don't know what it is. What is with them in November and December? Well, before that, you have to look what happened. They, they went up to Temple, up in the link, were ranked and lost. Got the bye week. And after the bye week, our not-so-friends from uh, State College come down. Yes. Bringing their fans. 
the UMD campus was electric. Yes. I never felt so much pride to be a Terp, except for at that point for that day. Maybe with college game day coming last last spring, that was also a very exciting time to be a Terp. And obviously, you know, when we beat Duke back in the ACC, when we were able to cut down the nets down in Atlanta in 2002, yep. when the women's team won it in 2006, there were a lot of good times to be a Terp. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But that time, I just felt it. Everyone, as, you were, as I was walking from my apartment, you know, to the tailgate scenes, to the game, everyone was excited. It felt like, finally, here's our chance to do it in football. Obviously, that's not how it happened. But the team has to realize that they have fans. They have a network of people that support them, that want them to win, and also believe in Coach Locks. It's not just the players on the roster. It's the, the students, the faculty, well, look at the, the alums, players, everyone. Coach, look at the players Coach Locks has had the privilege of getting to coach in his career. I mean, he's, he's gotten to coach Calvin Ridley. He's gotten to coach under Derrick Henry. He's gotten to coach – he's had the honor of coaching a side, arguably the greatest college football coach to ever walk the earth in Nick Saban. Coach Locks knows what he's doing, and this is just – he was – Y'all you know, be blunt about this. I think he was thrown into a very, very, you know, just, you know, underperforming at the time kind of system. And the program without question is taking off whether you can see it or not, because Coach Locks is doing all the right things. It's a culture change. You know, I hate to kind of throw out a Washington football team analogy here, but he, he, it's, it's a cultural change within the locker room. It's bringing in discipline it's bringing in heart and it's bringing in character from all of his players to make sure they're doing all the right things on and off the field. And ultimately when you do that, when you go Monday through Friday, most weeks, obviously tomorrow, Maryland has the opportunity in prime time on Friday night, but most weeks, Monday through Friday, you're going to win football games and it's going to take time. And the beautiful thing right now, it's so hard to see it in the light of day when you have a team that's losing, it's unfortunate. It stinks. But the bottom line is that this football team is going to be in very, 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 very important, high-pressured, exciting games late in the seasons in years to come because of the young talent they have and the kind of recruiting they have coming in over the years to come. It's going to be exciting, and there's going to be growing pains. But as my you know, uh, favorite coach in the MLB says, you know, bumpy roads lead to beautiful places, and my friend – down the years, we're going to be looking at a beautiful place. I'm telling you right I, now. I certainly hope so. I mean, you got to hope that. I mean, in 2015, we had Coach Edsel and interim Coach Locks. 2016, DJ Durkin. 2017, DJ Durkin. 2018, interim Matt Canada. 2019, Locks. 2020, Locks. So you can see most Big Ten teams don't do that. Most good Big Ten teams don't do that. Well, you if just we pointed out right there, George, the inconsistency – is, is, is a problem. Um, Maryland needs to find their guy. And I think they have in, you know, Mike Loxley. And I think they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to have faith. They're going to have to stick with him and ride the ship and see what he can do with this program. Yep. I completely agree with you. So, Maybe. you know, from there, you know, things might not be looking too, too great as of right now on the football field, but early, early, early in the season, I'm excited for the weeks to come for Maryland. I think we're going to see some, Really, really riveting things. We saw a close one last year uh, um, between them and Ohio State. We don't need to dive into that. That was rough for all University of Maryland fans. But let's transition to the court. 
Last year's 24-7 and Maryland Terrapin Big Ten champions going 14-6 and in the Big Ten, 16-1 at home, best in franchise history. Just recently got their rings alongside the women's Big Ten champion, Maryland Terrapins, all at Xfinity the other day, receiving their Big Ten championship rings. I mean, George, that's, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity. Both teams, I can almost assure, would have gone very, very far in the tournament. And it's unfortunate for someone like you, who was a senior at the time at the University of Maryland, didn't have the opportunity to watch the team make a run. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, for the players, you know, it's got to feel good. Well, not just that for the fans. It was nice to see Cowan and Sticks returning to the court in Xfinity again. I mean, obviously that won't be happening for them to be, to be playing uh, this upcoming season, but it was nice to see them earn their rings. I mean, Cowan, when he came to Maryland, wanted to hang that banner. He hung the banner, he got his ring, and his jersey will probably be in the rafters in the next uh, few years. I mean, it was really exciting last season, obviously, with getting college game day, going to play up in Michigan State, up in uh, East Lansing, beating them on college game day. Our college game day wasn't as good of a result, but I can tell you that was another great atmosphere. I don't regret getting up at 5 a.m., getting in line at 5.30. Well, George, I was about to say. Front row, I was about to say. my little State you, Farm net hat. It was awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, before we dive into, you know, how good the Terps were, and we all know that, let's not, you know um, – beat a dead horse with the obvious how why don't you tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about that college game day experience because there's a lot more that goes into it than just you know all fun and games than one might think well I can tell you um, this was before the COVID-19 pandemic really hit us in Maryland I mean there were a few cases in California at the time but we we didn't know anything and obviously if I knew now I wouldn't have gone Um, but I'm glad I did go um, this was back in the last week of February, early March. Um, time, you know, stood still that day, but right now I just can't remember the actual day. Sorry about oh, yeah. that. Um, but I got up at 5 a.m., um, went to sleep around 10.30, got enough sleep as I could, and it was dark when my alarm went off. I thought it was a joke. Like, ah, it's not really 5 o'clock. I look at my phone, it's 5 o'clock. I mean, how do you just have the energy? I mean, I guess it's the hype of college game day, but I mean, what? It had to be in like 20 degrees, maybe colder outside. Oh, it was absolutely freezing. I had oh my God. I had on two pairs of socks. I had on long underwear, my tights, um, sweatpants, you know, all my Maryland stuff. I had my undershirt. I'm glad you told us what jersey. kind of underwear you have on. I'm sure everyone will appreciate that. But well, you had, you had to stay warm, you know? Oh, you yeah, sure. Just, I mean, yeah. It wasn't, you know – one of those days where, you know, you just want to go out in shorts. No, it was cold. You had to wear oh, yeah, the long yeah, yeah. stuff. Were, were, you wearing, were you wearing the the spandex tights, though? Yes. You were. You had to have those on, yeah. Oh, of course. You have to keep everything warm. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I'm walking to – I'm walking from my apartment all across campus. Um, and all of a sudden, when I get to about the Hornbeg Library area, I start seeing other humans. I'm like – it's 5.30 in the morning right now. There should be no other humans on this campus. What is this? And everyone yeah. is there holding their signs, you know, great signs, um, insulting <laughs> Izzo, insulting Cassius Winston, insulting Michigan State. It was fantastic. Um, and so I finally meet up with a friend of mine who uh, at the time was living in, in uh, 
Cumberland. So we get to Cumberland. This is now 535 in the morning. Sure. Yeah. Finally get to the student entrance at Xfinity Center about 540. Okay. I'm like 150th, 200th in line. I'm like, first of all, the email said not to get there till six. So yeah. already broke at getting there a little early, but there are people that got there, you know, 430 in the morning. I was still asleep at 430 in the morning. I, I talked to him and said, I mean, I those, said, those, those are dedicated fans. And that goes back to your point that the fan base for the University of Maryland, I mean, it's, it's, it's statewide. It's all over the place. It's DMV wide. It's DMV wide. But yeah, the, the atmosphere was electric that day. And when SVP came running down the wall to sit down there next to Jay Billis and the crew. I mean, what, I got, I got I mean, excited. What, did, what, what, what was going through your head when you saw that? I mean, how, I mean, it's so early in the morning. It's like, it's like, it's well, like, that was around delirious. nine, nine thirty or so. Nine thirty. I was already there for, you know, almost four hours. Oh, well, that's still – who cares about that? You've been up for four hours. You, I mean, for God's sake. It was I mean, cold that day too. Oh, I, oh, I remember. I remember. They didn't, they didn't let us go inside and, and be like the uh, – the, the guys in the background yeah. with the signs. No, no. Like, yeah, yeah. We were, we were the, the chilly ones sitting outside, and, you know, we didn't get the, the hot chocolate till you know, like 8.30 when they brought it out for us. So we were oh, all, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean were, I remember I brought my bagels and stuff to eat with everyone around me. It was nice, but – Man, I mean, the, awesome. the environment, it sounds absolutely crazy. And I mean, for, for a student, I mean, it's ideal. I mean, it's the camaraderie, it's the electricity inside Xfinity. And it, I mean, it's got to be insane. But what was that like, you know, being inside Xfinity? You're at this point delirious four hours later. Scott, SVP is running down the wall, headed down on the court game day. I mean, what's going through? What, what's the student section like? Not just you. What's, what's, what's the environment like? Well, the student section is absolutely electric for starters i mean everyone in big 10 basketball knows the wall and if i'm telling you the wall was rocking the wall was rocking what was, was was the wall about to come down i'll tell you i don't know how they rate all the decimal systems of volume but i'm sure that jay bills's mic had to get adjusted because of how loud we were making noise on that wall and it God. was fantastic. And I mean, I remember they were selling the game day shirts just for that day. And I remember the day before, it was the Friday, a friend of mine dropped me off at the Xfinity Center. It was cold, so she drove me. Um, and she dropped me off so I could get the shirt. They didn't have the shirts that day. I'm like, how could you guys not have the college game day shirts? They only were selling them the next day. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I get the, I get the game day shirt. You have to do that. You got I mean, I that, wear it now that we lost? Of course, it's part of it. Well, I do it now that we lost. Will I wear it? Maybe when we play Michigan State again, I'll wear it to relive those memories. But yeah. um, I'll tell you this. The atmosphere was great. And then that night's atmosphere was probably even better. You know, it was the, uh, the flash mob game, which we seem to be cursed. We haven't won a flash mob game in years. Um, but not to mention, we also had the performance of the swag surfing guys that came out on court in the uh, second quarter. We had like a little second flash mob. It was awesome. It's like a concert going on. I mean, that's, that's insane. But what was really amazing and I got to give credit where credit's due is Mike Izzo's team wasn't even rattled. They came in and they got the job done and I have to applaud them for that. But I'll tell you, if I had to make a free throw, with the with the wall going nuts and the flash mob and all and not just the the student section 
the alums, the Maryland fans, everyone was getting into it. And that well, was George, awesome. you know, you mentioned you, I mean, both of us had reiterated the intensity and the electricity that goes on in Xfinity. What's it going to take this year with no fans um, in that stadium, you know, having kind of underdog teams, you know, you and I, prior to going on air, we talked about Maryland's opening up against George Mason, another, you know, a local DMV team. What, what do you think Maryland's going to have to do? Um, what's that extra gear they're going to have to provide that won't be there from the crowd? They're going to have to rely on, on their glue guys. Daryl Morsell is going to his senior year. He's got to rally the team. Uh, we got to have a big year from our transfers. Uh, Jerry's Hamilton just got the eligibility that he was earlier denied. So he's got to make an impact along with uh, Galen Smith from Alabama. Uh, our transfers will have to make an immediate impact. We only brought in two um, scholarship freshmen this year. With only two of them, we were the bottom of the Big Ten's recruiting class for 2020, which is fine. They'll develop and get better, and our 2020 class is much better. Not meaning that these players are bad by any means, but it's a bigger class already. Um, and it's going to take some some uh, adjustment from last year. We don't have Cowan and Sticks to rely on. We're going to need Ayala and Wiggins to score every game. They can't take nights off. We're going to have to have uh, Donta Scott have another good game. And we're going to need Chol to, to own his role of being the big man this year. And I know he was been injured and hurting, but we've had some really good big men recently. We had Bruno, Bruno Fernando. Every, everyone, the man, everyone the myth, the legend. And, then, and we had Sticks play the five last year. And Sticks is, you know – going to be hopefully a first round pick this year so we have some big men shoot a fill no pun intended sure um but i think that coach turge can do it this year he saw last year what it takes to be a co-champion of the big 10 yes he had a good team but it also relies on making plays from the whiteboard getting adjustments when to switch zones when to go to -to man-to-man defense what have you and i think now that he has a ring himself, he should coach much more freely this year and knows what he has to do to get it done. I think he will. Maybe um, we don't see all the results we want this year. Again, it's another young team. But I think that we should be a competitive team in the Big Ten this year. I know that a lot of the experts aren't thinking we're going to have as good of a year as we did last year, and it's tough to beat going you know, 16-1 and one at home, but especially without the crowd. But I think that with winning last year, it brings a, me- a mentality and a mindset for all the players on the team of what they have to do to get back to being on the top of the Big Ten. And they have that experience. No, absolutely. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take leadership, not just from Turge, but from the actual players that were there last year to help make that run come back again this year, make it a reality. Yeah, and, you know, you make a great point there, George. It's going to be interesting to see what Turge, you know, pulls out uh, this year and how he's able to conduct his team um, in a disciplined fashion um, and make them ready for every game because it's not the same environment even off the court for his players. It's going to be interesting to see how they decide to train the atmosphere they're in, in the weight room. Um, you know, they're student athletes. They have other things to worry about, you know, other than um, playing games on the court. You know, they got practice. They got, you know, obviously academic student athletes, hence the student. But, you know, what's going to be interesting, George, you know, looking at their record from last year, 24 and seven, 
six of those losses were on the road. Now, what, what, what alarms you about that stat right there in terms of how Coach Turge approaches this season? Even so, George, you know, when last year, you know, there were rumors going around, you know, should we move on from Mark Turgeon? Well, it's not so much the six losses on the road that worries me. It's the fact that Maryland got off to a lot of slow starts last year and were able to rely on the home court advantage and the fans to get back into those games. When Cowan last year came well, they, back they, in the gold they rush game. To, they, went, they were able to win ugly. Exactly. Like when Cowan hit that shot, as the commentator said, from Northern Virginia last year against Illinois for the buzzer beater, that was all the crowd that they got him hyped for that. Oh, he shot and it. Yes, he, he, was, a... he, was, he was standing on the other side of the bridge. Exactly. He was standing right across the, the Potomac. Right from Gary Williams' court little logo. And I'll tell you, that was fantastic. But now without the fans, they can't get off to those slow starts because they won't have the fans to get them back in it. And that also hindered them on the road, yes. But I'll tell you, there were some games at home that they almost didn't come out with. And it was, you know, I'll tell you, it, it stinks that we didn't get to see them uh, more neutral site games, you know, for the Big Ten tournament and in the dance. But they were good on a neutral site last year. They won that tournament down there in Orlando. Uh, so that wasn't a road game. It was a neutral game. But they looked, they had slow starts there and came back. So, and, I mean, it's – yeah, no, it's, it's a different environment in all sports and all levels of sports this season, and it's going to be interesting to see. But let's not let the women go um, unrecognized here. You know, they themselves were Big Ten championships. They also received their rings with the men the other day at Xfinity Center at College Park. And, you know, they, they've got a lot of promise this year, George. You know, they've got a lot of great stars. And I want to point out specifically transfer center Chloe Bibby from Mississippi State. You know, what are we going to see from her? And what are we going to have to see from her? And obviously all of the other critical pieces of this woman's team in order to get back-to-back Big Ten championships? And what is Coach Freeze going to have to instill in her players as a part two? Well, I think that Coach Freeze creates that sense of playing Maryland basketball. So to answer your question, in virtue of just by being a transfer, she's going to have to learn the new system of playing Maryland basketball. What does that mean? It means playing a very high level, being competitive in every game, and dominating the Big Ten. Last year, we beat Ohio State in the Big Ten tourney to be Big Ten champs. I remember watching that game, getting excited for them to be a one or two seed. That was wild, home yeah. I, I was so excited because I figured they were going to go so far in the tournament. But it's not just that. It's that we – for all the good players that we got, we also lost some key pieces. We lost Taylor Mikesell. She was our starting – another starting guard. Yep. That was a top player. And I believe uh, she transferred to Oregon to join that powerhouse. Yes. So women's basketball, similar to men's basketball, has certain powerhouse teams. UConn, Maryland, Oregon, South Carolina. All these teams are always competitive. And last year, we played the Gamecocks in the Xfinity Center, took a tough loss, but that's okay because we were able to rally back and still become Big Ten champs. So Maryland's women's basketball in particular needs to do similar to what Maryland men's basketball needs to do. It's a different team, different opponents, but they have to realize that they need to rely on some of their upperclassmen that have been there 
and have been able to get the job done and win Big Ten championships and hang more banners this year. They have to rely on – I mean, we lost Kayla Charles, uh, drafted by Connecticut's WNBA team, played well down in the bubble down there in uh, IMG. We need to be able to replace these people, and I think we can. Uh, and, you know – coach. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying Coach Freeze is an expert. She is a national champion coach. She is a Big Ten champion coach. And I really have a lot of faith in Coach Freeze to continue to bring this women's team to the level that all of us expect of them to play, which is competitive Big Ten championship basketball level every day, day in, day out against all opponents that we play. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, you're talking about a future Hall of Fame coach that's definitely going to put her players in the best position possible to go get another ring. So before we close out the show here, you know, we got two more things we want to cover. So first, George, I'm going to shoot at you some rapid fire questions, Maryland style, and then we're going to end the show with our Terrapin trivia. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Tomorrow night, prime time, ESPN, Maryland, Minnesota. Who do you got? What's the final score? Well, this is a Maryland show. I have to go with the Terps. Do I think it's going to be a close game? Absolutely. Um, I think my score is going to be 27-17 Terps. All right. I I think that'll be a, a good game to watch. Question two, who's the X factor in tomorrow night's game? Uh, I think it's Penny Boone. He had some carries late in the fourth against a weaker um, team. They put in some backups because Northwestern was up, but he looked like a man among boys. He is a absolute bowling ball of a running back that is very physical, gets good pad level. And I think that if Maryland is able to have a dominant running game with Jake Funk, Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone, it'll be a whoa moment for that Minnesota defense, realizing that Maryland cannot just pass with very talented wide receivers, but also have a good counterbalance and running attack. Is Tulia the answer this year for the Maryland Terps? I believe in Leah. I think that he has all of the, how do I want to phrase this? I think he has all of the, abilities to become a really good quarterback for Maryland. He has the chance to learn the system over multiple years. He has great receivers. His offensive line looked improved too. So I don't know if he's going to look like an all big Ted quarterback this year. That's always the hope, but I think that he will be able to continue to develop in this system and get to that level. Maybe not this season, definitely by the end, we hope to see improvement, but in the next couple years, I think he will be able to be an all big 10 quarterback. Come November when men and women's basketball is underway at Xfinity Center. Who for both men's and women is the biggest threat in the Big Big Ten? Um, For men's basketball, Iowa. They bring back Luca Garza, who (laughs) dominated us when we were in Iowa City last year. Then when he came to College Park, we got the better of him. So we got to look out for uh, Iowa, for the men's. And for the women's, I have to say Ohio State. We beat them in the Women's Big Ten Championship Tournament. That was the championship game. We bested them, and they're going to want revenge. They don't like coming up 
that close and not getting a chance to redeem themselves in the NCAA tournament. So I think that Ohio State is going to be circling our name on the calendar when they come to the Xfinity Center and we go out to the Schottenstein Center. And last but not least, will or when will the University of Maryland Terps, football speaking, get their record above 500 and start to get their fans on board and believing they can finally make some of these more prestigious bowl games? Well, I, I can't answer when they're going to be above 500 first, but I can't answer when they're going to get their fans to believe they can go to more prestigious bowl wins. It's simple. Beat Minnesota. Win a primetime game gets you to a, a primetime bowl. Not really. We obviously know there are more credentials than that. But it starts with a competitive game against Minnesota. Let's keep it in it. Let's keep the Maryland fans watching the game till the very end and, and making it a, a close game that we all want to see. Or if they want to blow them out, Maryland fans will still watch that too. But, but let's, uh, let's get a W uh, on Friday night. Optimistic. I love it. And that is for the tomorrow night's evening game on 730 at, on ESPN, Maryland versus the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And, hey, Maryland fans don't go anywhere. We, we ride out the negatives all the way until we hit that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Now, before we head off the air here, George, I want to reiterate – who and what Maryland quarterback threw for the most passing yards in a game all time against the Minnesota Golden Gophers? Here's my, my logic. I lost three games pretty well. Definitely was not last year from any of the quarterbacks that played. 2018, we had a really good running attack. So I'm going to go with 2017. It was, was it Max Bortenschlager? No. Would you like another no. guess? No, it's okay. I'd like to know who it is. You'd like to know who it is. The quarterback that led Maryland to the most passing yards in a single game all time against Minnesota is Larry Dick in the 1977 season. It was the Hall of Fame Classic Bowl in which his quarterback, the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season, Mark Manges, went down after week three breaking his hand. And Larry Dick came in and played the rest of the season in the Hall of Fame Classic and threw for 211 passing yards over the Golden Gophers. But, hey, you know what? We weren't around in 77, so I respect the guess. I was going to say I was only off by 40 years, too. There you go. Not that bad. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to this first ever episode of Turbulence with George Shalloway and your host here, Jack White. We got plenty more to come uh, for you in the coming weeks. Always Maryland topic on sports here. Great content. You'll never want to miss it. We will be back in a few weeks with more on your Maryland Terrapins and what's to come in College Park. Thanks for tuning in, folks, here on WMUC Sports.